Welcome to Getting Behind the Desk, the 12-episode podcast series about the past, present, and future of broadcast journalism. Your host, John Dills, a senior mass communications major at Piedmont University, is going to explore topics relating to what broadcast has grown to be and what we can expect in the future. Please welcome special guest, Dr. Melissa Tingle. Dr. Tingle is currently the Associate Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Piedmont University, as well as co-chair to the Mass Communications Department. What piqued your interest in social media? Well, way back when Facebook uh, first was launched, um, it was definitely a new phenomenon that as a young college student, I'd you know, I hadn't seen anything like it before. I mean, it was just, it was a new way of communicating. It was a new way of connecting with others. Um, Fun fact for you though, I gave up Facebook in 2011. So I've been Facebook free for the last 11 years and I haven't looked back. I mean, it's just, um, I saw the impact that it had on the people around me and my relationships with others and how quickly it could turn from constructive to toxic. Um, And it really just, it really turned me off from social media for a little while, unfortunately. And then as I got into social media um, and kind of studied it, you know, became a a scholar of communication in my master's program and in my PhD program. And then I started kind of with a, with a, a more nuanced understanding of its impacts, um, kind of started turning back on to social media. So you still don't have Facebook to this day? I don't. Do you, you have Instagram, Snapchat, do you have any other social media? I'm on TikTok as well. Yes. Um, I gave up Twitter in... I want to say 2016 as well. It just, it didn't seem to be as valuable. Um, And there, you know, kind of in 2016, we had this idea um, with the political divide um, of fake news, which fake news is not an original idea. You know, we had the the yellow journalism back at the turn of, you know, the 20th century. And, um, and so with the advent of fake news kind of as a as a household idea and concept. Um, I saw a lot of things happening on Twitter that just didn't resonate with me and I decided to get off Twitter then as well. Okay. Social media has had a huge impact on what broadcast journalism has come to be over the last decade. From the side of social media, what have the impacts of broadcast journalism been? I don't think there have been a whole lot of impacts that broadcast journalism has brought to social media. I think it's the other way around. Social media has impacted the way that broadcast journalism uh, looks, feels, um, is disseminated to the public. You know, um, you know, we still have television, we still have cable networks, um, we still have local digital networks as well. And um, and right now we're seeing a huge um, a huge surge in the local personalities for broadcast television um, and broadcast news. You utilizing social media to connect and resonate with their audiences and drive traffic to television, um, which is a pretty unique situation because social media in and of itself is a behemoth um, that that can host its own fan base, can host its own audiences and promote, you know, promote whatever it needs to promote, but kind of harnessing the power of it and using it to drive traffic to something that, frankly, we thought was on its way out for a time, you know, for a little bit but um, it is it, pretty awesome. I, I know a local a local uh, news anchor, Fred Blankenship, on WSB um, Channel Two in Atlanta, um, and he has really he and Jovita Moore, rest her soul, um, they both really were able to um, kind of have their own personal brand as local media anchors um, and use social media to drive traffic to news where there otherwise wouldn't be an audience. 
So seeing how social media has grown over the last decade, where do you see social media in the next decade? I mean, if I were to tell the truth, I think that we have hit we have hit a pinnacle in society where I don't see us evolving much further as far as innovation and technologies um, without it becoming incredibly intrusive to humanity and our even our human bodies, you know, things that people talk about, like chips in your brain and, you know, scannable chips in your wrist and, you know, Google eyeglass and, you know, things like that. But, but uh, um, just conspiracy theories set aside, I feel like we're headed towards a great reset. I don't know what that great reset is going to be. Um, but, but I do see us kind of pulling back from technology. You know, technology is cyclical. You see it throughout all, um, you know, all humanity, all, all creation, um, where you have this huge boon and advent of technology and innovation happens so quickly. Um, and then it kind of backs off and you have something that resets it and then it starts back up again. It comes, it ebbs and it flows. So I'm kind of waiting for that ebb to happen, honestly, with, with social media. So you're talking about a reset. How far back do you think technology and social media would go in that circumstance? I don't know. I mean, if we're talking something catastrophic that has global impact, I mean, it could be something as easy as an EMP released into the atmosphere, not to get into geopolitical politics, but it would take something that simple to take our power grid offline and take out, take out internet and, and, and our ability to communicate with cell phone towers. I mean, we would basically be useless if you have a computer chip inside of you. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those situations that it's, it's kind of pie in the sky. I mean, you're just projecting a conspiracy theory, but you could easily see how something like that would happen. Um, and if it did happen, I could see us maybe rolling back to, well, gosh, I don't know, maybe the 1970s. So we still have vinyls. We still have, you know, mechanic, mechanical cars, you know, um, but I don't know. It's kind of exciting to think about. We would have to kind of pour ourselves back into our communities and learn how to communicate face to face again, right? Who knows? Maybe MySpace would come back. (laughs) (laughs) So in your opinion, what could broadcasters do to better adapt to how social media is now? Uh, You know, that's a really good question. Um, Broadcasters have tried to harness the power of social media to promote their personal brand and grow their audiences. Um, But even, you know, you also sort of see where they give teasers and snippets for nightly news um, on social media. Um, You know, that's, I don't know, I had to think about that. That's that's a really interesting question, because really, we don't know the future of broadcast news either. Um, And, and so far, I mean, social media has been on the scene for a hot minute. In the last 15 years, broadcast news hasn't, it hasn't totally and completely diminished. It hasn't gone the way to the dodo. Um, really, neither have print newspapers, right? I mean, we converted to digital, but some people still like to hold, you know, newspapers in their hand. It hasn't completely gone extinct. So that's a really good question. I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe you can find a way to merge the two and create a all new empowered, you know, Newspapers, social media, and broadcasts, like hybrid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dill's deliveries. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what does the future of broadcast and social media look like in terms of their cohesion together? Oh, yeah. Well, it can only, they can only grow a better relationship. Right now, it's a very tenuous 
um, stringy relationship. You know, the, you got, like I said before, you got the people who are interested in promoting personal brand, personal branding um, that are broadcasting personalities. Um, but I don't know, like that there's a lot of room for growth for broadcast news to really, really get into social media. I mean, who knows? Maybe people will cut the cord even more and cancel cable news because it's so expensive, go to streaming only, and then they have no other choice but to deliver their news on social media, which we've always been taught that news on social media is not to be trusted, right? Like it's it's trying to say that Wikipedia is an academic resource kind of situation, um, but we might kind of be forced into to that mode of delivery. Yeah, I think broadcast has really honestly started to outgrow cable, outgrow satellite, because there's so many new streaming services. And a lot of the younger generations, you know, roughly anyone that's under the age of 50, they, they've started transferring to streaming services. And these streaming services have had to adapt. For example, Hulu is offering live television. So I think that'll be interesting to see how all these broadcasters adapt to that and what the different circumstances will be and like how the advertisements will work for them in that situation too. Yeah. Dr. Melissa Tingle gives us some great insight about the interaction between social media and broadcast journalism. I also spoke to previous guest on the show, Mr. Luke Story. If you don't know, Mr. Story is currently the president of the Arkansas Association of Broadcasters. He gives us some great insight about the perspective of broadcasters and their look onto social media. Big tech, Facebook, uh, specifically Cambridge Analytica, all of that really got to the forefront of news right after the election in 2016 and got brought back up uh, during the 2020 election. So what is your perspective as a broadcaster on that? I think big tech is an example of what's possible with capitalism. I don't see it. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, they they have capitalized on capitalism, but it gets really complex when you when you start digging in a little bit because you look at how the federal code designates what these tech behemoths like Alphabet and Google and Facebook and Amazon, uh, a lot of them are recognized in federal code as platforms. And the distinction is between a platform and a publisher. Broadcasters are considered publishers. And so that's what places us under the regulatory purview of the FCC. These big tech giants don't have to adhere to the same regulatory policies put in place by the federal government that we do. And it allows them to have this overwhelming power as gatekeepers to what Americans have access to as far as content, news, uh, whatever it may be. It's, it's on There's And they have complete control. There's really, I think, two ways uh, and of course, you've seen you, you've seen the tech CEOs and executives testifying before Congress and con- congressional subcommittees, and I think I think that that is a good. I think that's a positive because I think Congress recognizes that. You know, it, it and this is my this is my conjecture is that I think Congress is like okay, well, yeah, this is 
this is interesting because, you know, uh, we had newspapers uh, long, long ago. And then in the 20s, we had radio. And then in the in the late 30s, early 40s, we had television. Well, that the Telecom Communications Act didn't come about until the 19 until 1934. So it's like now's the time. Now is the time to modernize the rules and policies that govern what is modern media. And it's a long-term proposition. It's going to take a long time. What's concerning for us as broadcasters is that we rely on advertising revenue to produce our local content and news. Anyone that takes a moment to look into it will we'll see. I mean, there's, there's poll after poll that shows and tells that advertising budgets are being shifted to digital. Well, then you can have a whole conversation about what is digital because broadcasters, broadcast is also digital, but they're placing it into tactic, digital tactics that are all owned and controlled by the same tech companies. And then those tech companies offer up access to utilize those tactics that are on their platforms, whether it be you know a, a Facebook social ad or you know a, a display ad. Uh, that's fine, but broadcasters only get a fraction, maybe fifty percent of that revenue. The rest of it goes back to the tech giant. And it's really, it's really hindering broadcasters' ability to remain solvent in being able to produce local content and news. It, it's really difficult. So then the tech platforms, you know, they're diverting that ad revenue and resources from broadcast. And then they are utilizing their influence over online content. And they've monetized it, and they've done, and it. They should get credit for it. I mean, what they've done is really extraordinary. It's it, it's amazing, but just like any industrial revolution or any business, any company that reaches the pinnacle, you're gonna have you're gonna have a million dogs nipping at your feet, wanting to say, "Hey, I you." you you're getting too much. You, you like you, they're going to try to dethrone them, and it's not that. It's more of a we're looking for parity. That's what happens is when there's no regulatory framework in place, and it's just like the wild wild west. Then you have a situation like this where these big tech companies have complete control of billions and billions of dollars that are being invested and there's no oversight where broadcasters have to adhere to all sorts of rules and regulations. So there's a big push is do we try to address this? And there's not a single person that can sit here and say that they don't use those platforms. Everyone uses it. It's ubiquitous. And it's, again, it's something that you have to respect. But 
to level the playing field and find some version of parity? Do you take a legislative approach? Do you try to pass a law? Or do you look at rewriting federal code and federal law, which is that is something that if you if you ask if you ask anyone that has experience in government, they'll tell you that that would take forever. And so it's more of a focused legislative approach of how do you what makes sense? Uh, how do you level the playing field? How do you ensure that? I think the biggest thing that all of us are hearing about is misinformation, disinformation. How do you trust what you're being, you know, how do you trust what's out there on these platforms? Is there really any current legislation trying to be passed to regulate what is shared on social media? That's a, another really good question, John. And I, I can't say when, but I could tell you with with a good level of confidence that there will be a change in how these tech giants are um, at least, I can't say regulated, but there will be some sort of provisional oversight of them by the by the federal government to make sure that there's no um you know that there's no anti-competitive practices going on which to some degree some might argue that there are but i don't know when but yes there will be uh there will be something right now there is a there's a the bill that is um the bill that's in congress right now it was uh, introduced by um, by representative uh, from Rhode Island and uh, Colorado, and then it's uh, there's a Senate companion bill that was uh, that was sponsored by Senator Globetrotter and Senator Kennedy, and it's called the um, it, it goes by JCPA, but it's the Journalism Com- Com- Competition Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, and that Act number seventeen thirty five. And so um, it's sitting in Congress right now. And I actually had a meeting with one of our members earlier today, one of our members of Congress today. And he was, uh, I don't think he would mind me sharing this because he's very, uh, he, he shared it with open candor is that it's Congress has their attention right now on what's next as far as a response with COVID. And again, that's a, probably a, you know, a big impact on COVID is that a lot of the congressional attention is, is on how, how we respond to it as, as a country. And so bills like this have kind of been slowed uh, to make, it, you know, make their way through Congress. But there, there's a couple bills, and the one that I think is probably most prevalent is the Journalism Compe- Competition and Preservation Act. I want to thank Dr. Melissa Tingle as well as Mr. Luke Story for being a part of this episode of Getting Behind the Desk. Thank you for listening to Getting Behind the Desk with John Dills. Look for a new episode each week highlighting different perspectives of broadcast journalism from the past, present, or future. 